You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hey. What are you guys doing in my office? <laughs> Welcome to Champlin World. It's pretty there, Andrew. Is it cold? Yeah. Okay. It, it is a little cooler than we would like, but that's okay. We're optimistic, positive people here, and uh, we believe in our future. We think there might have been something happening with Nick. There's some weird stuff going on, Andy. Really? Look at him. He's like he's like frozen every once in a while. Yeah. He like I don't know if it's like, like one of those. And then the music starts and he goes again, or what? That's just because Putin is uh, streaming all of his broadcasts here. Oh, that's right. That could be yep. very good. Very good. He's uh, he's still hiding in Poland. Can you speak with us, Nicholas? Yeah, he's closing in. But um, I just got this new watch today, a former Soviet Union watch. So if they come. I can sneak in with them maybe and say I was on their side. You you should uh, try to find one of those Ukrainian watches. They might uh, they might be worth something someday too. There's, yeah. you know, I haven't even followed that thing. All I know is that it's uh, it's really affected our interest rates. I'll tell you that the interest rates went crazy. Just had a uh, someone that got five and an eighth, five and an eighth. When's the last time we heard five? Uh, probably the uh, early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I think rates were hovering around the fives back in um, the early 2000s, and they dropped one day, I remember this, in 2003 to like 4.75, and everybody went crazy. Like, oh, my God, 4.75. And I, I'm just – I tell everybody build new, like be prepared for 6%, um, you know, because that's the environment we're in. We're climbing that direction. I mean, you know? if you think about that, though, if it's at 6%, we were at 3 I mean, it's double. It's double what you've been paying for your house. I mean, just on your little uh, interest rate or on interest on your house. I mean, that makes, a, that makes a big deal. I still don't know. I mean, I'm telling you, I still don't know if, uh, if it will make a huge impact from a non-inventory status, meaning if inventory, if everything was equal, that would be a problem. But with low inventory again, people are still trying to grab at those houses. And I think people well, also think it's going to go down. Yeah, still cheaper than rent. And I I, I do, I, I love the the, the um, optimism of let's hang in there until the economy crashes and housing's crash again. And here's what I warn those people about. You're not going to have a job if housing crashes like it did before. So don't worry about making the payments because you're going to have more than a problem with your house payment. You're going to have a job payment problem yeah. or a job problem. And so, you know, you don't want to wish the economy in that direction. You want to wish it to consistently continue to climb. And so that over time, you actually can build some equity yourself and lock in a rate that you can afford based on your environment that you're in. Keep that job. Keep working for it because economies that jump up and down aren't healthy. There's always somebody getting whipped on the tail of the economy. It's losing out, and I tell you, it's not fun. Yeah, yeah, Andy. I think uh, someone was letting the cat out of the bag when we were uh, 
in our pre-show there. I mean, we were bowing and, and going out. This doesn't this doesn't quite remind me of the day we left uh, WCCO, but could it could it be? Could this be the last one? I want no part of your shenanigans. You don't want to be playing about that. We we can play April Fools on March 31st because our show is on March 31st. But we can do that. Yeah, unfortunately but, for us, our ratings are fantastic. They're probably better than they were on CCO. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, no, we got a lot of views. I mean, you look at our, our sites. I mean, we're hitting about, you know, whatever. And we're about seven, eight viewers a week. It's yeah, great. I it's great. I, I always think it's funny on these live things, you know, when how much people, you know, get on. And I mean, there's a bunch of things that are, I mean, that are huge, but I think it's almost like, I know I've tried to get on them and then I'm like, oh, how embarrassing, you know, they see that I'm on there and that, that I'm watching them. And so I would only go on one that has thousands and hundreds of thousands. And we only have like 50,000 at a time. And so they might catch our day. Yeah. Well, we, you know us. We're not going to do that. Plus, technically, you and I aren't smart enough to figure out how to read their name anyway. So, uh, unless Nick tells us to read their name. <laughs> hey, Andy, so some people were messaging you, worried that the show was going to be canceled. Yeah, actually, you guys, you fool a couple of my friends and my broker um, and my daughter, and uh, yeah, so they were calling. What's going on with the show? Uh, are you guys really? Are you going to cancel it? Is it really? I mean. It just was getting in a groove. I was getting used to seeing it and watching it. And I, I love your clips. Though those are, I don't know if any of you that are, you know, the thing that we always forget is that we have an audio of this show too, right? So we put out the podcast. So if you're driving down the road and you want to, you know, talk real estate, this is a great way to stand around the water cooler and kind of catch up on what's going on. Um, but we also do clips that we put out there that are video clips of, of us being, you know, dipshits, as I say, um, kind of talking about whatever we want to talk about. And the topics that we're talking about. And then these little snippets are actually the way you edit them, Nick, I think is pretty funny. He, he's, he's always trying to make us look so adorable. Right. I mean, any chance he gets, he can rip on us. I mean, he's, he's like me times 10, Andy, with you. What, what the oh, heck? I know. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. I, I don't mind it. I think it was just a, a good reminder though, for the listeners to not take, um, you know, be grateful for the, the things you consume and don't take them for granted. And we're going to still stay here, but give us some likes, give us some thumbs up. So we know you're there and supporting and not wait till all of a sudden one day the show's done. So we're trying to, Oh, we got a like right now because of that. Amazing. <laughs> oh, Andy did it. <laughs> Andy does own like he's watching himself. Boy, is that a surprise? But anyways, all right. What, uh, what, uh, well, let me do it twice. I think we're going to kind of play off of our little uh, April Fools and, and funny people today. Yep. <laughs> Nick is, uh, uh, yeah, we uh, were, I, what I was thinking about this whole time that, that that thing was going, and I'm like, why is it Rooney's rant? I mean, I don't really, I don't typically ever rant, but Andy is the best at it. I mean, he's the, but then you'd have all the segments because you're like the best at all the stuff. So it's kind of like, oh, we have to sit here and lose to you in trivia as well. No, you know what's funny is that everybody that I know that when Chris and I have been around for too long, right? Everybody gets that, right? 
So as we crisscross paths in the industry and people are like, oh my God, I say, yeah. I said, you know, Chris and I have done the show for years. Um, I said, we, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh my God, he is the nicest guy ever. And oh, he is so professional. And so, and I'm like, ah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm well, like, I, think... I guarantee you they don't hear that about me. They're like, he's a little aggressive, aggressive. He's a little, uh, well, I think this little title that's going on there, jokesters of the industry. I mean, I think yeah. you're one of the top <laughs> from a, in a good standpoint that it's, it's very hard to make jokes and you have to be confident in which to be able to do that because a lot of people that typically will make jokes just don't know what they're talking about. But if you can lead fun, jokey into business uh, part, that's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very tight thing in which to be able to do. Um, but I, I know it, it makes uh, clients a lot more comfortable uh, to be able to, you know, get them at a point like, cause it selling a house is a very, very stressful thing. Uh, not only that, Hey, if, if, are people going to like it? I mean, I hear that a lot. You know, what if they don't like it? What if they say bad things about it? And it's like, yeah. you know what? Not everyone's going to like it. I've had the best listings in the world and we'll have 70 showings and we'll get 20 offers. Well, 50 people didn't care for it, but 20 people did. And you got to focus on, you know, those types of people that are, are wanting to, that want it and that it worked for them. But a lot of people, and this is kind of, I think, interesting, is that people, it's not that they don't like it but they don't think they can get it. So they're going to try to make themselves not like it. So they look at a listing and say, if it's 420,000 and they know it's going to go to 480. And it's like, well, you know what? That the master bedroom trim in that one corner of that window was a little off. And so it's I, not I very it's good. Been proven a lot of, it, as you've observed and you're, you're explaining here, a lot of people shop based on elimination, right? And it's easier to say, well, it doesn't have this. It's the wrong district. It's the wrong whatever. <laughs> Those are the big hurdles. And once you've, you know, eliminated 25 houses and you still need a place to live and your rent just went up another 200 bucks a month and you're like, okay, rates just jumped up $300 a month in the payment. And you're like, okay, I better get going on this or I'm going to miss the boat. And I truly believe that's the environment we're in. I don't, I don't think you're going to say, oh, we jumped on and we locked in the rates at, you know, 4.9%. And oh, what a waste of our time! I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't, I don't see the economy um, and and the amount of supply and demand changing much. So when you don't have a lot of people feeling good or saying, "Hey, you know, I want to sell my house and move on to the next project," when new construction and everything that's in front of you is is more expensive, it's kind of hard to upgrade right now because that when you you know, boy, if my house is worth four hundred, I'm going to go buy that six hundred thousand dollar house. Well, now that six hundred thousand dollar house is seven fifty. So now you're not jumping to six; you're jumping to seven fifty. So it's been a harder uh, move up market, but never been a better market for new construction move up um, with the cost of construction and bigger homes and more energy efficiencies and things like that. But anyway, kind of rambling on here. But you know, um, when you look at like jokesters in the industry, I've always you know I I struggle with the people that follow the trend. You know, one day they're a mortgage broker, the next day they're a real estate agent, the next day they're a stockbroker, then they're a used car salesman, and then they're selling, you know, insurance. And, and that kind of part of my industry has always bothered me. I don't know about you, Chris, but. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know that. And I think sometimes um, when, we, when we talk about the whole jokester thing, it it goes into like, who, who do you want to be and how do you want to be portrayed? And there's some people that do it really, really well. 
you know, that they're they're funny and they use like social media in which to do it. I mean, we see it on those reels that uh, Nick shows us all the time in the social media part. And I think it's really um, that you can really play off of that. But I think what you have to do, you have to add in your knowledge. If you don't show your knowledge, I mean, you can be the funniest guy in the world. And you're fun to listen to and, and to watch. And maybe you'll be a social media sensation, but you're probably not going to sell too many houses. And so if you can kind of mix those together, uh, being a jokester, there's nothing wrong with being a jokester. I think it's actually a, a a very good thing because people want to people want to laugh, people want to have fun, but they also well, don't want to laugh at the mistakes they made. You know, and I, I agree, and and I also think that there's a different way to be a jokester in the sense that if you're using storytelling to help someone understand or completely you know build a picture for someone, and then you have a little fun within that picture, so they're relaxed and they can absorb the information. I think a lot of times people are, are physically looking at you, but are they really listening? And that that is the the problem in today's world is I think so many distractions, phones, whatever else, and then they ask a question and they're not even listening to the answer. They're worried about what they're going to say back to you. And it's like, but if you tell them a story that interests them, you know, stories pull us in, right? And then you can relate to that story. As soon as you have a customer telling you a story back about, well, you know, that's great. But, you know, when I was a kid, now you got somebody that's listening, right? And now that, that kind of fun I call it jokester, but let's just say um, relaxed environment of, of giving information to someone. It's non-threatening and it, it's absorbed better. I think, you know, I think that there's, and then, and then you also have the, the client that's uh, the D personality. You know, if you look at the disc profiles, that if you don't give them the info fast and quick and you, your jokes, you get punched in the nose, you know what I mean? Or metaphorically, I mean, but they don't want to deal with you. They don't want to deal with somebody like that. That's going to spend the time to, you know, let you relax. They just want, what's the number? What are you going to cut for a deal? Let's get this done, write it up, get it sold, you know, or get it bought. And, and there's yeah, there's times for jokes and there's times to be able to get down to work too. You know, and, and when you tell a joke, if you're a constant joker and they've just lost for the fourth time, you know, and you're laughing at them because, oh, it's no big deal. You know, we kind of, uh, you know, better luck next time. It, it, that's not funny anymore. So it's not. Yeah, it's not. Hey, speaking of stories, telling good stories, we're going to do story time. Odd ways homes have been shown you've seen. Oh, God, we've always seen it. Remember, Andy, remember that one that had the little drive-thru? It was kind of like it looked like a little drive-thru window. I don't know yeah. if that was the like where the old AC was. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. Now we're going to be put on the spot here and uh, looking at houses. But I'll tell you, we've – I mean, I've ran into – everything you could possibly think of. And I think when you, when you say odd or, or maybe uh, bad ways in which to be able to show a home is uh, not having it clean. I mean, that's, that's the one thing, seeing how people really live and, and the way people live and how they sell are totally two different things. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can't bring them back to that. And I've, I've seen some uh, crazy things laying out uh, things that were maybe left out from the evening before uh, and, and usually that's, uh, and I can't, can't, I don't know, I can't be mean or whatever, but, uh, the ones with what like rental places and where you're showing a house and you have 24 hour notice, but they don't really care because they don't really want to sell that house. Um, but when lingerie and, uh, undercoverings are left all over the place, that gets a little, that's, yeah, that's a little problem. Bite your tongue, Rooney, bite your tongue. <laughs> 
I know, but it's true. I encourage that. I, I, uh, no. Hey, I was going to say awkward showings. So this just happened to me. I'm in a model home this weekend and we're bouncing around between, you know, different people coming in and whatever. And all of a sudden this uh, gentleman comes up to me. He's, he's doing one of these with his phone, comes right up to me, goes, hi, I uh, got Bill and Sandy here from uh, Massachusetts and uh, they're on the MLS right now. And they want you to verify some of the facts of the house. You want to talk about odd. I'm sitting there going, uh, first of all, I wanted to tell him to get out of my model. Right. Second of all, I'm like, and he shoves, doesn't ask, shoves it in my face. So let's just assume, you know, as soon as he knew I was a listing agent on the property, it's like right here. And then I'm like, I'm in the middle of an open house here. I go, I'd love to schedule a time for you guys to zoom in with us. Uh, well, so how many square feet is the sport court? Um, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't stop. So I was on their agenda, not on mine. And so that was odd for me being that we're doing an open house and have somebody jamming a camera in my face and, uh, you know, forcing me to answer questions. And I kind of just said to him, I said, Hey guys, as much as I appreciate the fact that you're, you know, dialing in with us with the phone, we didn't have an appointment and I have other guests that are entering the model. And I said, so what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to be, you know, every once in a while I'm going to have to go off and talk to somebody else, which actually I, I kind of wanted to do anyway. Cause it was, it was so weird that they were, you know, it's not like they called me and said, Hey, I'm going to be out in the model. My real estate agent's going to bring us along on the phone. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about numbers so I could prepare and bring my stuff with me. Nope. Just in your face. Yeah. I had one Andy that, uh, boy, this was, I mean, this was during the foreclosure time period, yeah. but I went, you went down to a basement and there, it was kind of set up like in a mechanical room and there was like rooms lined up along one side of the wall and then like a long hallway. So it's like a long bowling alley type hallway with little rooms on each end. And each of those rooms had locks from the outside. And they were enclosed and not like cages, like for dogs and stuff like that. But I mean, there was three of them. And that was a very crazy thing because it was like way down in the basement and you're looking at it and it's like, you know, you can't, you can't do that. You can't show a house like that because all someone thinks of, oh, they're holding people captive in there. And, you know, you lock them in. Can I tell you what a lot yeah, of times that, that is? Yeah. A lot of times it's, you know, people that, you know, come from other countries and they come and live with their uncle, but their uncle really isn't their uncle. So yeah. basically they're renting out a room in somebody else's house. And that's the only way to truly secure that is to lock it on the outside. Yeah. So it's almost like having three, four or five roommates that all work at the same restaurant, dry cleaner, wherever they all work together. And they all live in this house. And that's the only way to secure their stuff and to keep people out of their business because they really don't know those people. And so when you ask and you say, hey, um, are you guys basically having a mini apartment here? No, no, we're living at my uncle's house. That's a, that's the most it's overused thing I've ever heard. But Chris, that was what I saw a lot of up in Brooklyn Park. I saw a ton of that, you know, out in some of these. You know, and it, it wasn't a bad thing. It just, it's, it, you're right. It makes you think, who'd they lock in that room? More yeah. or less, I think they were securing their stuff. It's like a big locker. Yeah. I, I, I just showed uh, three different houses that kind of had the same thing where they had the locks from the outside. It's like, yeah. And it's, it's a lot of the multi generational type thing. Yep. And yeah, but this one, this one was really awkward because it wasn't like a room, it was like a six by eight almost like a storage center is, is what it kind of was, but it was just kind of eerie and like, it just makes yeah. you think in a different way. And if you do have something like that, you just got to let people know maybe what it is. And so it just gets their mind off the other stuff. 
you you probably aren't used to having that kind of an environment, but like Nick, where if all of a sudden he's going from place to place and staying in, you know, hostels or whatever, that's kind of the way they do it, you know, because you don't know anybody there, but you're staying there for reasonable. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. Hey, but bring up that three that generational living. I actually found this. This is going pretty um, viral on Reddit. So three generation homes going to replace the nuclear family. So buying a home is just not an option for a lot of people anymore. No surprise there. My prediction is America will, and to an extent already has, dropped the stigma against living with your parents. I think you'll see more than three generation households, grandparents, adult children, and their children. The oldest houses in America are getting pretty old. My house was built in the 1830s and it has four different owners with no family relation between them. It's a big farmhouse with five bedrooms. My kids want to stay there indefinitely. I couldn't care less. When I die, it's going to them. They don't want it. They can sell it. Um, along with that, I'm seeing a general decline in people having kids for financial and personal reasons. This is kind of interesting. I can add to it because um, in a lot of the places I've been, people are living with their parents until they're 30, especially in Europe. Um, Italy, the, the mama boys, they stay with uh, their mom until they get married. Uh, Brazil, you have to have a bunch of roommates or you stay with your family. Like It's very hard to live on your own in lots of parts of the world. And Maybe it is coming to America now too. Yeah, I think I see it. I mean, even like someone like like Nick, who wants to go and be gone and all over the place. You know, why do you need a, your own place here? And and when you start um, putting it together and separating it and having, you know, you need your alone time. And I don't care if you're a. I mean, if when your kids come home from college, Andy, it's kind of like your whole world's interrupted. I mean, my daughter's got people over all the time. And I mean, trying to sit on the couch and watch a show and, you know, 10 of them come flying in, you know, it's not that fun. But if you if you um, kind of get put, I don't know, just kind of limit, uh, limit what you can and can't do. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, people traveling, you know, like our, myself, I'm ready to be able to be empty nest and I can go anywhere I want. If I want to, and then say hey, someone's taking care of the house, someone's there. It's not costing me that full tilt on both ends of it. So, well, you know, I, I think, think it's in crazy. America, in America, we've got some weird, you know, it's America. So, God bless us all. But, you know, you see generations like, like my, I look at my, my wife's family where they came in, they were from Norway. Um, and they come in, they buy a farm. Um, grandma and grandpa are there, their children are there, then their children had children. And then they were the first, like they took the third generation before they even moved out of that house. And then they wandered to the city, for an example, and they were married and they were whatever. And so a little bit of that culture gets, you know, washed out once you leave, you know, what you're used to. So if you're used to, like, for example, uh, you know, Nick was talking about Italy, where you live with your family until you get married um, and, and that's normal, then that's normal. Right. But here in the U.S., we also have some weird cultures with when people get to a certain age, they have to retire. They're no good to society anymore. And lots of cultures around the world don't look at people that are elderly that way. They say, hey, grandma, can you help us make dinner tonight because we're busy doing this, 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 and this? Or can you help us with the laundry? Can you help us with the kids? You know, or then in return, that family takes care of grandma. I mean, maybe grandma doesn't have a lot of money left and she doesn't want to go to a nursing home. So they accommodate, do the, you know, all the stuff for her too. So it's it's a win-win. And I think that it's the, this, we need to all separate is is just crazy to me. I and not that I, I get we want our own space, right? I get that we're independent. I do understand that and respect that. But what's wrong with having a couple of generations working together to get ahead? Because if you're wasting money on rent, for an example, and I say this, it's not wasting if you need it, 
But if, if you're just choosing to rent a place to rent a place and, you know, just for pride or whatever, but you could be saving $2,000 a month and putting it into your retirement so you could retire earlier or putting it into your travel fund so you could travel more or whatever is important to you, right? It, it, I think that you could go a lot farther in life, but it's our, I don't know, our culture is designed it that way to, you raise your kids, you kick them out at 18, once to become, you know, 65, you're good to nobody, you need to go to an old folks home and have all your money you saved your whole life, go to these nursing homes. And I think it's just absolute crap. I think we, as a culture, need to really reevaluate and take a look at some of these other, um, you know, new to America kind of um, generations that are coming in and they're successfully doing multi-generational housing. Successfully. Let, me make, let me make a point here quick though. Um, it's funny, like in Italy, my my coach, he built, um, his wife's father built uh, an apartment building, like a big home. And uh, like now the grandma lives on the top. They have like a lift in there and then she'll put like in a basket pasta or like food and do it out the window down to the first floor where they live. So their whole family lives in the same apartment building, the grandma on the top, the, um, the son here, and then the, their kids underneath. It's pretty interesting. But like the point too with that post is, um, are we even able to afford it? And we have to go like what the third world people are doing is living with their parents until they're you know 40 years old. When, you know, back in your guys' day, you, you kicked out at 18, you could buy your own home, have two cars. I mean, you know, the wife's at home not working. So is that a sign of the decline of America? Or can we do like a mixture of both and incorporate the, the family into our culture, but also get on our own? Do you I want me to embarrass myself? Sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, you go ahead, well, Chris. You, no, you embarrass yourself first. I, I think it's because there's a lot of people that think they should be handed shit. And I think there's a lot of people that are lazy. I think there's a lot of people that think they can go to college for four years and get out and get handed this cookie job that's going to make them tons of money. And it comes right down to work ethic. And it comes down to where the generations, maybe a couple generations back, you know, we look at the opportunity, the timing or the whatever. But here's the thing, guys, look at how much money you waste on cable TV, your cell phone and going out to eat. Those things didn't exist in the 50s. If you took all those things out of your budget today, you'd probably be able to have a stay at home, um, you know, married partner and, and live in a, in a fairly nice house. Nothing fancy. Now, granted, the house was built back in the 50s and in, in, uh, well, Minneapolis. They were two-bedroom and three-bedroom ramblers that were 900 square feet, guys. Most of them didn't have garages. Now we're building 4,000 square foot houses and saying, I can't keep up. Well, no shit, you can't keep up. I mean, it, we're in a world of where that's excessive. You don't need that necessarily. Granted, if you're successful and you want to do it, do it. I'm just saying that when you compare yourself to the norm, the norm doesn't need you know 3,000 square feet for two people. I think what I, what I was going to go on was marketing marketing a home or a large home something that would really work with like multi-generational was one of those things that uh, just give an example so i've got a house in lakeville that i'm that i'm doing and they have and it's going to be probably in that six to seven hundred thousand dollar range there's seven seven bedrooms seven bedrooms in this place and three four years ago i would have never called them seven bedrooms I would have done five and then kind of done some different things. Now I'm saying there's seven. And I'm saying there's seven because of people like the multi-generational. It's a much more popular thing to be able to have and to look at. And it's an angle in which to be able to market to. And that was just not very prevalent. So I think it, it's happening a lot, lot more now. And there's people that are, um, hey, I'm going to, it's time for me to start traveling. Hey, kids, take over. And it's a way in which to be able to transfer wealth too, I think.
Sure. You know, we see that new construction rather than rather than just kind of doing this one home that, you know, what? why don't we go into the basement? We'll pay for that whole thing. You'll get it all done and finished. You'll be able to get more house because you can finish more on your two levels. Let us hang out here. We'll be gone half the year. And then when yep. we pass away, you'll get the house, you know, the yep. rest of it. So. Yep. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing. 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call. Send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> I hate watching myself on. Really? Yeah. I, I do. I, I love that car racing away. That totally plays you. That's who you are. Nobody should be buying real estate where there's snow. If there's snow on the ground, those jobs are moving. When you invest money in real estate, you need to pay it like any business. I want to be around major hospitals. There's some of that urban tight around hospitals where nurses have to be, doctors have to be. They won't get rid of that completely. But on the outskirts of Detroit, man, they just got destroyed because the jobs left. I look at Houston, Texas. I look at Tampa, Orlando, Miami, even the Mobile, Alabamas, the Atlanta, Georgias. All this migration is happening. And the more dumb shit that New York and New Jersey and California does, the more it just pushes all of these people to migrate to where there's less tax. Very prevalent here in so uh, funny how they, uh, Hopefully they start losing some of their voting delegates. Um, and uh, it, it'll be interesting because as these populations shift, you have the big motivated money makers that move out or the big companies that move out. I don't think a lot of people realize how fast those jobs go away like that guy's talking about. I don't believe his concept on snow, but I do believe his concept um, on, on tax burdens or aligning yourself politically with people that affiliate themselves with a certain political belief, like like less taxes, more pro-business or whatever it is, and then they move to, to support that. <laughs> we do. We have, uh, you know, we have the ability in which to be able to do like chats on the back end of this thing. And I, I'm getting I'm getting nailed on. I'm hitting something, and I'm making noise. And so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm fighting back and forth and saying it's, it's probably me with my ball. It's Andy like, rocking a ball, and I'm getting blamed for it. Jeez, Louise! I was I being so good. That was me. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So that's that's good. So what were we talking about? That whole the whole migration thing. 100% uh, that is happening. I think it's easy or very interesting on the snow part. And when they say that, because it it is, I mean, it's a gloomy time time uh, for most of the winter for us. And it's not, I mean, it's not fun. And I'll tell you what, if you don't get out of here, you know, a couple of times I had the uh, ability to, uh, to, to go on a couple different things. And I had a third one and I didn't go. And it's like, Oh my gosh, now it's like five weeks in. And I, I don't mean to be snobby, but it's kind of like it's just a really good feel that a little bit. And then you can deal with, you know, even this last week that we've had. And especially when you get 66 degrees and then all this crap that comes in and and, and won't leave. Yeah, no, and I and I think that there's also some of that, you know, um a little bit of the 
I don't know how to, I don't want to be sound like some kind of theory guy, but so when you run out of water in LA and you run out of water in Phoenix and the river dries up and you have no fresh water, um, those cities aren't gonna be real popular because the water wars I think are gonna come back unless we get some dramatic changes with the weather patterns. You're gonna have that happening. How about all the blackouts where literally cities, everybody's got their conditioning running because it's 105 degrees today and poof, people will start dying from heat exhaustion in something because the cities, the grid, they can't keep up with the grid. And then everybody in those same cities is plugging in their electric cars and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Guys, listen, we, we got to even this out a little bit. You, you can't have, I mean, or you can't convince me, I guess I should say, I like to be where the water is and, and the old Sam Kennison, go where the food is. Well, guess what? Midwest is kind of where all that stuff grows. And I love the Midwest for that reason. It's it's full of natural resources. Um, great place to live. Awesome. You know, I don't know if the grid ever goes down, you're not going to live in Arizona for very long. You're not going to live in the tip of Florida very long when it gets to a hundred Texas, same thing gets over a hundred degrees. Most people can't survive in that environment. You know? Yeah. You don't, you take things for granted that you do get here. I mean, like water, uh, watch it going to that, that Hoover dam thing was just like, it's eye opening because of Scary. how much that water has gone down and how many people really uh, live based on, not only the Hoover Dam and the electricity part of it, but the Colorado River. And, you know, that could affect a, a market big time if you can't get water to it. So, well, that, I mean, go research the water wars back in the early 1900s. I mean, this was a real problem, guys. I mean, sharing resources was a big, big problem. Just like, you know, like even in the Twin Cities a couple of years back, like 2007, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were having a problem here in the cities with natural gas. They, they had natural gas coming down from like some of where they were, uh, you know, the wells and things like that up in um, uh, North Dakota. And they this, there wasn't enough capacity in the lines to get like up to Big Lake. So all of a sudden there's people in Big Lake and their furnaces weren't running because they didn't have enough gas coming through the, the pipes. And then you start thinking about, wait, we're not, you know, in this sheltered, perfect little world of plugging in and we're fine. You know, the world does have, you know, limited resources. So I, whatever. That's not what... That's fantastically true. That was a good one. Yeah, that's a yep. good one. That, that to me is kind of like a, a funny playoff of stuff that you, I mean, I, realtors really get that. I mean, because I don't know of one of those that wasn't uh, wasn't true there. I'll tell you that. It, it is an industry where people, um, when they want you, they want you. And and it, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or if you're having dinner with your family. And we talked about this. Real estate agents pride themselves on trying to have some boundaries, but at the end of the day, the consumer wants what the, just like being a retail store. So if you're not open for business, they have to make a decision to either wait for you to be open again, or they go to another store. Same thing happens in real estate. We're a service industry. So when somebody wants to ask a, or ask a question, it's Saturday night and you don't answer it. And then they go online and ask somebody else. Well, guess what? They may now develop a relationship with somebody else. So every agent's fear is that they'll find somebody else. So they always try to answer the phone, respond to the text, and they and they burn themselves out. Hey, what's really cool about that one too is that's a trend, an Italian thing. 
like oh it just makes sense you know the hand movement and that's like a simple reel like you just you 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 look at what the trend is going like okay how can i apply this to real estate and they did it and it's funny yeah it's awesome hey guys what's up as you know i just got my real estate license and i joined fast real estate exp today was a very productive day with my mentor v we went to two showings i definitely learned so 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 much today and there's a lot more to learn as we go on um so yeah stay tuned for more real estate information and more content New generation, new generation of realtor there. Yeah. From a standpoint of, I think that's that's the social media type realtor thing that's happening, and I think that gives some of us that have been in it a long time the reason why we don't want to do that. But it's kind of like, you know, it works. It works. It does work for these people. So. Yeah, I think she's got the same problem I do though. Hands in front of the camera. This was what the whole video was like this. <laughs> no, but I think I love the energy. I love the fact that she is a youthful person, um, has a lot of spunk. Um, that will be attractive to a lot of people because that personality is what keeps most people in sales successful is their enthusiasm to help people and their willingness to learn. And I, I think a lot of people miss this opportunity when they're new in the business that people want to be part of your success. They want to be part of your journey. And a lot of real estate agents think that, oh, I've only done two deals. I should hide in a, until I've done a million deals. And then I'll tell everybody to do a million deals. Tell everybody you've only done three deals. Be proud as hell of it. Tell them how you have a great mentor and that you can't afford to fail and that you are going to work harder than any other real estate agent in the Twin Cities to ensure their success. And then, by the way, I got a guy like Chris Rooney backing me up that if I have any questions uh, or things that get over my pay grade, we, we've got good answers for you. You know, I think that a lot of agents could benefit from doing those. I think go. I want one more, one more little point on that. And I think that's a really interesting thing of what 10 years ago would have never been accepted in real estate, really even in the world to be able to go as someone that is young, that's talking like that, that's on video, that's got tattoos and stuff versus someone that was wearing a suit and, you know, you got to be all prim and proper and everything. And that's, it's the evolution. I mean, it's the evolution of the world, but it's also of this real estate industry where people are kind of, they're used to that now. So I take you personal who you are, you who you want to be. I take personal responsibility because of my flip-flop addiction. Okay. Hey, so that one, I wanted to see your guys' reaction to that last one. And now this one, this is like the new age uh, real estate. Okay, so my opinion is this. I don't care who you are, what you do, how you do it, what color you are, whatever. If you're good, I'll hire you. That's what I want. I agree. I think I think it kind of came across like a dating app, but you know, it given a lot of personal information that shouldn't make any relevance, but in in another sense, they're they're willing to throw that out there so that maybe you can connect with them. You know, like, "Oh my god, I'm from there. Or I I'm deaf or I'm, you know, or whatever." You know, and and um I, I, yeah, I get it. I think what's cool too, though, is this, Chris, there's room for all the different personality types that are out there. So for someone that actually is deaf, 
doing video. What a really cool concept. I mean, I was like thinking about that. And I, I always think about what do we sound like? What do we look like? What do we lighting wise? And then I go, imagine talking with your hands as well. It would add a cool element to the video. Think about, I mean, if you're deaf, I mean, you can't really know the beat of that music too. And if you watched that person, I mean, they were really kind of going with the beat, which was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Maybe there's vibrations or something that they feel. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some cool. <laughs> this what is, is going on I, here, guys? Actually, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, come on. You got to be kidding me. Um, just a little, little, little off kiltered there, but I'll tell you what you. Uh, I used to have that in one of my houses, and we were able second. to. Can you guys, can you guys just move a little bit to the end so we can see your face? It's just a bigger picture. Hey, <laughs> I know you got to go the opposite way, Andy, but um, you know, trying to cre recreate something that this this far off is you can do it. You can really do it with uh, woodwork and stuff. So if someone put a beam this, down on I that, mean, this, I, I did it. Is this a joke? <laughs> this can't be right. I mean, it's got a magazine rack for Christ's sakes on the one side. The, totally. the, the uh, fireplace is off-centered. They have a Victorian style mantle mounted up at a weird height. It's not centered. It's not centered on the vault. They have a desk on the other side below a TV set. I mean, I, th I think what they did here, Andy, was that they added in the cabinetry afterwards because this thing is kind of more tried to be centered on that little wood box and the fireplace. I don't, I mean, I don't, there's got to be some, there's got to be something here. So I you think the fireplace was there and to the right where they have the, ma the magazine racks, because that's very current, um, that in that space, they had like a wood for their actual firewood yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, on the bottom on the bottom, our bottom right that we're looking at, that's like the wood box. And that like you tried to center it based on that. I mean, it would still be before off. they turned it into an, an actual gas uh with a plug-in with the cord yeah. over the counter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was just a really bad uh screw up there. I'd start the over. I'd yeah. I'd honestly that would all be ripped out. Yeah. Not one thing I'd save there. I, I gotta be honest with you. I could it would drive me absolutely bonkers looking at a fireplace that's off center like that. Yeah. I think what you'd have to do is get rid of that mantle and then put up a like a tall plant on the left-hand side just to try to take it away and just try to get someone's focus off of it. So it's called staging, baby. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Hey, Chris. Hey, what? You should uh, talk to some of your vendor buddies. Let's get some plumbers, electricians uh, to get get that ad spot so we don't have to keep running our ads. Oh, good idea. That's a great idea. Wow. Oh, man. There he goes. 
foolish marketing techniques that have failed. Oh boy, how about and succeeded? Foolish. I think it's on both ends, really. I think we have a yeah, big yeah. first. Yeah, first has failed. First has failed, and the next has uh, succeeded. Well, business techniques um, back in the early two thousands, I remember there was several of them where builders were in an odd position where we had, um, you know, houses were were slowing down on sales, appraisals were still really high, and we I, I, there was a builder that I knew, and I'm not going to say the city that had a brand new suburban in the driveway of this model home and said, buy this model, get this Suburban for free. And I, I scratched my head and I go, how is that even legal? How is that even whatever? And he goes, well, we're going to sell it to him for $1. And I think they ran like one ad and the Department of Commerce came after him pretty heavy and said, uh-uh, no, no, uh-uh. So that was a, uh, a failed or foolish marketing technique that I saw fail. I wonder too, Andy, if that... Uh... You know, maybe that's the advent of the personal property addendum, too, because the mortgage companies want all of that separated. They don't want things that you can actually move, uh, yeah. not included in part of the purchase agreement that needs to be on the side. And uh, that's what it's, a, it, it's kind of interesting, because if they were to foreclose on it, they'd need that suburban back. And, uh, you know, so it's it's like they don't want to be able to finance or, or make that part of the financing. Because right. every deal they have would be a huge thing. It's like a refrigerator that's not built in. If you can move it and you get foreclosed on, you can take that refrigerator with you. Now, a lot of right. people back in the day were taking cabinetry and, and trim and carpet and flooring. And, and that's that's illegal. You can't do it. And I had two people that I know that um, I don't know the people, but I knew of two instances where the insurance company came back, private mortgage insurance came back to them and uh, went after them for that stuff because... I mean that that the value of that house and it's it's interesting that house just sold for a million dollars but at that time and this was in 2000 probably 10 by the time it happened it was 2010 yep. you know that house was now worth 240,000 and now it just sold well, for a million dollars well and you remember Chris too there was a lot of that cash out refi kind of stuff going on back then too where people are intentionally saying well our house is worth 800 nobody wants to buy it but let's go refinance and pull 300,000 out and we'll go buy a boat, a camper, a car, or whatever, and then let the house go into foreclosure. And and then that's where they changed the laws. And and the cash out refis were taxable. So then it was like, wait, the government's taxing us on foreclosures. And it's like they're taxing you on the money you took out of your house and blew on personal items. And they'd come after you for that because of that reason. And then there was a forbearance period where Chris and I, and it, we don't need to go all this, but um, then they, they change it temporarily for the people that truly needed it. You know. Anyway. Hey, so now we, foolish marketing techniques that have worked. So I got Kanye here. He's known for being a crazy genius, doing stuff that everyone thinks he's a fool for. Then it turns out to be good. So, what kind of foolish techniques have you seen? Well, I think there's one that's a uh, pretty uh, evident that's out there right now, and it's the whole Lindahl thing. Uh, that people look at that like, oh, my God, that guy's crazy and he's on every billboard and he's doing the Lindell dance. I mean, but you can't you can't argue with what the results of that. You know, they've they've sold a lot of houses now, whether or not they make money or do whatever. That's that's beside the thing. A lot of people thought that was so foolish and dumb. And I mean, and to put yourself out there like that, he did and yeah. he gets ripped on. But I'll tell you what, 
the guy, everyone knows him. Everyone knows him. Guarantee you, everyone knows him because of all of the stuff it, that he it, does. You're, you're a million percent correct. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, it, you're right. It is foolish to us. And we're like, why would they do that? And then people make fun of them. But there's a lot of people that don't. And there's a lot of people that do call. And it just, it's a gimmick. I mean, it's like, you know, being the most popular guy in town, all I can tell you is this. If you call a guy that has 300 billboards, you're not getting a discount. I, I'm just being honest with you. He's going to pay for all those damn billboards. So, I mean, it's a uh, it's a case of where I think that you have um, marketing to the extent of being foolish. Um, you know, if, or real estate agents that used to, I think foolish marketing is the Andy Prasky, you know, picture. Call me Andy Prasky. It's not about me. It's about what are we doing and what the service is versus about the ego of the agent. And that's what's interesting is that he brought back true, full-fledged, the ego of the agent, right? That it's all about him and this and, you know, which is like those of us that have been in the business for a long time, look at that and go, he's doing something that we would have done back in the 90s. And then he's making it cool again. Like it was like, nobody does billboards. Who the hell does billboards? You know, and all of a sudden he's doing every billboard in town. Yeah. But again, we're talking about him on our real estate show. So obviously something is is foolish, but is it? We've talked about him a lot too. So he's doing something. All right, this next thing, we're going to do a little um, pop quiz. So let me uh, share this thing. You guys can have a chat now. I know you guys love to talk. Um, we love pop, pop quizzes. Andy beat me last time. Like, oh, no. I do not like to lose. And Andy won last time. I helped you with an answer, though, just so I remember that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We already got the answer on that one. Nice. All right, so basically, there's, there's these are just flashcards. We're going to do probably five each, and then we'll flip it. We'll get the answer right away. I'm going first, A. Continuous lots are lots with common, common boundaries. There's 387 questions, Rooney. One for one for Chris. No, we're just I'm doing five. Playing. I'm out. I'm, I'm gonna. I gotta go five. watch some paint dry. <laughs> I'm only gonna do a few. There's, we have 384 more to go. Okay, let me get on my calculator. Okay, so three. This one's this one's fast, Andy. There can only be one answer. Uh yes, it's one acre. <laughs> You're wrong. It's it's B. Come on, show us. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's ten acres. That's not right. Chris one and zero. Not right. Go back. I want to redo. It said three hundred feet wide by three thirty by thirteen twenty deep. How many? How many square feet are in an acre, Chris? Forty three thousand five sixty. Yeah, and that's exactly what that adds up to. Add it again. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I just listed, I just listed a place that's three thirty by thirty, almost thirteen twenty. It's ten. That's acres. how many square feet it is. That's four hundred thirty-five thousand six hundred. That's because I did my math wrong. Sorry. Hold <laughs> on. You just had to add the zero. All right. The I, definition I, of include. Look, look at these guys. They spelled includes wrong. I got them. Okay, the definition of real estate includes buildings affixed to the land, airspace above land, substance below the land, all of the above. Uh, buildings affixed to the land. 
I'll go with A. I'll go with A. All of them? You don't get the airspace. It's all about the land, my boy. You, but the airspace above the land? I mean, you, you can't go up into the freaking 10,000 square, 10,000 miles up top. That's bull. No, they do that. They do that in um, uh, New York City. At least you didn't have to do math. You right. I didn't do freaking math. And substances, mineral, mineral rights. You're not supposed to have mineral rights either. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> it's about the math. You're right. It's about the math. These uh, Polish quizzes you have are great, Nick. <laughs> They're really fun. Ask you. It's fun. I want pictures, man. Okay, which of the following would ordinarily be considered personal property? Heavy concrete outdoor bench, a freestanding refrigerator, built uh, built in bookcases, a ceiling fan. So I'm going to say the refrigerator. He's right. B. B, -b, 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 -b yeah. Okay. Darren developer about a hundred acre parcel. Andy, can you get that for square feet, please? About a hundred uh, yep, acre I got parcel to subdivide into one acre home sites. Which of the okay. following methods of legal descriptions? would best achieve the de developer's objectives. A government survey, monuments, subdivided plat, meets and bounds. So if you want to do that, C, subdivided plat. Bingo. Kratzky? He's still adding. I'm um, sorry, what just happened? Uh, Non-conforming, I just lost interest in our show. Um, Non-conforming use is a term used in a reference non-conforming use is a term used in reference to property that extends a lot of limits is not uh need of deferred maintenance does not comply with zoning requirements uh c yep okay zoning restrictions are created primarily to uh created primarily to protect against Force taking a property by the government? No. Property tax increases? No. Special uncontrolled growth? D. Hey, we're doing pretty good today. Oh, no, we can't sign up. How did we, did we just miss two? Um, yeah, two. You are one pathetic loser. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to start making noise again. We got a couple more social media reacts and we'll wrap up the show. Immediately no. Immediately no. Immediately no. I'm telling you right now, I seen see what enough. I needed to see. Because I don't care when I'm with my baby. Mm -mm. No. It's a waste of time, typically. I mean, unless you know them. Um, and you just wasting your time is not something you really want to do if they can't purchase it so get approved make sure that they are approved and then go show it to them and you'll be more respected because of it because you're preparing them more than other people are Let me tell you something about rising interest rates. I don't give a damn about interest rates. Now that's something that's completely out of a buyer's control. They're gonna be whatever they're gonna be. Your job is to focus on getting the house as soon as you can before prices continue to go up. You see, interest rates go up and down, but all the experts say that home prices are gonna keep going up. So you wanna lock in your price as soon as you can. And here's the best part. If interest rates start to cool off and go down next year, you can always refinance and get a better one. But that price you paid for the house is never gonna change. So here's my advice. Ignore all the interest rate chat and focus on the house.
I was focusing on him not having a mustache. Um, what did he say? And what about the hands? The hands, but I think everything he said is, I mean, is generally correct in that. Yeah. You know, it, sometimes you, I mean, you can't just forget about the rates because sometimes you can't qualify. Um, the payment gets too hot, so you can't do it. But he is stating that you know, if you're buying a house, you can always hopefully refinance later on. And I just don't think these interest rates are going to stay at this. They're going to come back down. We just got to get that the whole oil thing settled. That's why I keep hearing is this ding oil is the problem. Yep. Cool. Hi, guys. Another wonderful episode. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. You can do it on Spotify now or Facebook. You can leave us a review. We post those three clips Andy was talking about each week. Short, digestible, lots of fun. Make sure to give us uh, likes and the thumbs and the hearts and all that, and we'll keep producing this great show for free. Ciao. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.